If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's IGN's weekly Xbox show. This is episode 528 for January 25th of 2022. The usual crew is here for you. Ryan McCaffrey, that's me. Destin Legary, hello. Bam, hey, everybody. Hello. Uh, Miranda Sanchez, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, we're ready to get you going in the trivia later on in the show. It's gonna be... <laughs> Hopefully I get a point. <laughs> we'll see. And Stella Chung, how are you? I'm good. Wait, what are the standings right now? Because oh, I, I haven't been here. I open, but I think it's... We're, no? I think okay, we're okay. tied or like it's a point. Yeah, it's, it, there's just Ooh, like one or two so you and I board. both have... Oh, okay, deal. cool. Yeah. Stay, so stay tuned, awesome. everybody. Later in the show, we'll play the Unlock Block Trivia <laughs> Challenge. That is our year-long trivia competition where there is a community-created trophy for the winner at the end. This is probably, gosh, our fourth or fifth year of it now. It's got to be, and it has been uh, so much fun to play every year. But in the meantime, uh, we have got so much to get to. Last week was the most watched episode of Unlocked since the last time that Phil Spencer was here. So I want to say welcome to any new listeners and welcome back to any fans who uh, joined us last week that maybe hadn't joined us for a while. We are still going to be talking about the megaton news of Xbox buying Activision Blizzard, but we've got a couple of other things to get to as well. But we are starting with Xbox and Activision because that remains the biggest story to ever happen in the history of Xbox. So first up this week, speaking briefly with the Washington Post, Phil Spencer avoided talking about the future of things like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, but he did comment on some of the uh, deeper IPs just buried in the Activision catalog. He was talking to, to Washington Post and said, quote, I was looking at the IP list. I mean, let's go. King's Quest, Guitar Hero. I think they got Hexen 
And he says that once the deal is finalized, it is expected to close, as you heard last week, by uh, mid-2023. The Xbox team will speak with its new, many, many new developers about what possible franchises from Activision Blizzard that they might like to work on. And so I thought it would be time for a fun little segment about our dream Xbox Activision collabs and crossovers. There's, you know, Xbox now has Call of Duty in its catalog. It has uh, Spyro. It's got Crash Bandicoot. It's got uh, Heretic, Hexen, everything Raven's ever made. They're, they're just, the catalog runs deep. So I thought we'd go around the table however many times it takes because there are a lot of games and a lot of potential crossovers. And I guess I'll start, I'll kick it off. And I think the most obvious one that I would like to see that I think would just be a perfect fit. And it's Toys for Bob, who has been relegated to Call of Duty. I, I say relegated like that's a, a bad thing. I don't necessarily mean it that way. But uh, Toys for Bob, who has been on Call of Duty support for the last uh, year or two, it is a, it is would be so cool to see them take up the, man, the mantle of Banjo-Kazooie and give us our long-awaited Banjo 3E. If you remember... Tim Schafer was here at the end of, that would have been 2020, so a year ago already. That was our last episode of that year. And I, I pressed him pretty good. I said, well, you know, you're in the Microsoft family. Would you guys do Banjo? And he, he made it pretty clear that after Psychonauts 2, they're going to do their own new thing, which, of course, they've earned the right to do. So that I, I'm going to turn to Toys for Bob and say, Banjo's all, your, all yours, guys. Go for it. So, Destin, let me go your way next. What, who would you like to see in the Xbox family work on which IP that has now joined the family? So I fully realize that Turn 10 already has like their racing game and Playground has their racing thing with uh, Forza. But either of them tackling the Blur game created by Bizarre Creations now closed. Um, I, I would love to see something happen with that franchise. It was really unique. It was... Uh, a racing game with power-ups. It was definitely yes. compared to Mario Kart, but it used like uh, real cars like the Ford Mustang and you know other popular vehicles. And you would just blow up <laughs> each other. It was really, really fun. They had just the right amount of power-ups. It was a cool concept. And uh, unfortunately, that was a one-and-done type game. But I do think it is a unique franchise that... I don't know, Ryan, like we don't really have the burnout franchise anymore. We don't it's have true. that destructibility element, you yeah. know, um, and I, I would really like something like Blur to have another shot. Well, you're right. We don't really have an arcade racer in the mm -hmm. Xbox family. As spoiled as we are with yeah. Forza Horizon and Forza Motorsport, there's not really an arcade racer there. And yeah, Blur would be a good fit. It is. It's such a shame that the studio closed Bizarre Creations, who, of course, that they went back to an Xbox connection from back in the day with Project Gotham Racing. That was them. Mm. And, and now Forza Horizon kind of spiritually carries that that mantle onward. So I like that pick, Destin. That's a good one. Stella, how about you? What do oh, you think? <laughs> I, I think I chose the more like modern-ish thing. Um, but yeah, I said Bethesda doing the story-based uh, gameplay for Overwatch 2 would be really cool. I know with Overwatch 2, they're trying to bring in uh, more of a story element, right? And I actually got to play uh, Overwatch 2 like one of the story missions. Um, oh God, when was it? The last BlizzCon before... Pre-pandemic, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. It was okay. Um, it felt 
just more like Overwatch. Like, you know, the, uh, you know, the events where you can do like the story gameplay stuff and it's really short. It felt like that, but a little bit extended. But I was like, how cool would it be if we got like a Fallout 4 sort of storytelling for Overwatch where you could make your own character like exist in this universe where these heroes um, are currently fighting um, and fighting the force, like evil forces and everything else. I was like, that would be really cool. So something like that would be really cool. I think that'd be more immersive for a story for Overwatch too. But yeah. Love it. Miranda, (laughs) how about you? I have one simple request and I will keep making this request. (laughs) Please bring back Fusion Frenzy. Mm-hmm. Voice for Bob, you could do it. A lot of people can do it, but please bring it back. <laughs> I think that would be just with the platforming elements of Fusion Frenzy and just sort of that competitive gameplay and sort of that more lighthearted tone too. Um, that's kind of where I just pair them with Toys for Bob. I, I don't really have any nostalgia for a lot of the older Activision or Blizzard properties, although I know that there's like a lot of, hey, bring these games back requests for specifically the Blizzard side. Um, I know uh, StarCraft we talked about a little bit last time as well. Uh, one of the interesting ones that Phil brought up was King's Quest. So that had a new, like, retake on it when, I guess, like, the episodic sort of structure to games is really popular. It still it still happens, of course, but I think it was extra pop around, like, 2015. And they had a King's Quest game that came out episodically. And I played, like, the first, I think, one or two chapters of that. And I liked it pretty well, so I wouldn't mind seeing maybe... Maybe that game could be interesting. But at the same time, I think, if anything, I'm just a little bit more partial to seeing what these studios do under Microsoft and how they change. Love it. That's uh, and, and boy, Toys for Bob getting some love early in this. Yeah. You like to see that. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to flip it now. I'm going to say uh, so Call of Duty. Now, we now will Call of Duty sort of change its cadence. We're going to talk more about that later in the podcast. But I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. I think. The Coalition could do a killer Gears of War game, sort of reimagined their own way, not necessarily the same mean, old formula. Sorry, Call of Duty game. I think I saw in the notes, but you just said Gears of War. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, the Coalition would do a great Gears of War. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is why I wish we edited this show. But no, we just record it live and put <laughs> yeah. it up as is, flubs and all. Yes, the Coalition doing a Call of Duty game. Thank you, Miranda, because <laughs> that that did not even. I just went. I just kept going. I did not even realize that I flubbed that, but yeah, I, I think the coalition could do a really like sort of heavier, grittier, uh, more, probably even more, I don't want to say more cinematic, but just, uh, maybe more of a character driven, you know, that's something that, that the coalition has done really well with gears is, is making us care about these characters. Miranda and I have talked about that a lot. And, uh, I think, hate. Yeah, I think uh, I think the coalition could do a really, really compelling take on Call of Duty if, if at some point uh, Phil and the team at, at Xbox decides to shake up the whole Call of Duty structure. So uh, that's my next one. Destin, you got another one? Yeah, so I grew up in Wisconsin, right? So Raven Software is a developer who I've always followed and really yes. been interested in. Uh, they made one of my favorite Wolverine games ever, X-Men Origins Wolverine. And they also made this game uh, Singularity, and it had a, a weapon in it called the TMD, the Time Manipulation Device, which later I think influenced Titanfall 2's level where you were able to utilize time functionality and portals. And I actually saw uh, that game and those powers be used in other games later in the future. So I would love to see Raven or anybody really 
get another crack at singularity. Yeah. What else could you do with that now that so much time has passed from the origin of that? And yeah, it dealt with time. Like you could decay objects and have them rebuild and they would restructure. Um, they would like help you open up new areas of the map. It was, it was really interesting at the time. The franchise sort of just went away, but Raven has so, so much talent I would just love to see them do something other than be a Call of Duty support studio. There's a lot of talent in Wisconsin being underutilized, and I, I would love to see them get another shot at something. I have been a major fan of Raven since, like you, since long before I got into doing this professionally, you know, working in games media. I mean, Heretic Hexen, uh, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, which I think is the best one in that phenomenal series. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Singularity. They did Soldier of Fortune. They did uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which you mentioned as well. Mm -hmm. Their history is very decorated. I mean, they have done some incredible stuff over the years. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you on that. I would love to see them uh, fire it back up with something other than Call of Duty. Uh, kind of, although on the Call of Duty note, I'll say I'll, I'll flip it again from from the one I just uh, talked about with with a Microsoft studio doing a Call of Duty game. How about Infinity Ward doing a Raven game? That being, uh, or excuse me, and that was my next one. Infinity Ward doing a Halo game, specifically Halo, like a Halo Blue Team game. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. There's there's an allusion to what Blue Team is up to in one of the audio logs in Halo Infinite. Uh, Infinity Ward, the the new version of them uh, that that you know we saw come out in full force with the Modern Warfare reboot. That game, I thought the game was fantastic. Miranda, did you review the multiplayer side of that when I did the campaign? Am I remembering that right? I have to think about it. I don't. <laughs> I know, it's I been a few years. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell you off the top of my head, which is almost embarrassing. But also, I've reviewed so many games and covered so many things <laughs> since then. I'm like, did I do that one? I don't remember. <laughs> But in any case, yeah, I, I think Infinity Ward taking a crack at a like Halo side story, you know, non Master Chief game could be fascinating. So I'd love to see that. We, they uh, haven't really done anything. Well, I guess Halo Wars would be the closest like offshoot, but it's like a totally right. different mm -hmm. genre, right? Totally. So, <laughs> and yeah. I did review it. I was like, I'm yeah. pretty sure I did because I think that was 2019, right? Because the last one I didn't do was 2020. And Last year's. Those are the yeah. two I didn't 2020, do. yeah. Black Ops Cold War, which I did mm, do yes. the campaign review of, but then I, I haven't even played Vanguard 2021's game. I, yeah. Uh, Stella, <laughs> did you play, did you play the in, uh, Modern Warfare reboot at all, either campaign or multiplayer? A couple years I played ago? multiplayer. I loved multiplayer. Even when Cold War came out, I, <laughs> it took me a little bit to warm up to it um, just because it felt very different. The campaign was pretty cool for uh, Cold War, Let's see. I don't know if either Stella or Miranda's got another one uh, bubbling up, but Destin, I know you've got another one written down here on our notes. So I'll, I'll throw it back your way. Well, there's one more I definitely want to talk about, Ryan. Uh, also, I've always been a big fan of Radical Entertainment, and they made this game called Prototype, which was basically Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, uh, but with a, a human type character. I don't remember the character's name, but I remember the gameplay was awesome. You were able to like take cars, smash them in half and basically make Hulk hands and then run around town and smash up the city. Open I world game. Yeah, an open world game with massive scale destruction. You could like take down buildings and then you would sort of get like a wanted level, but you're all powerful. You could like detonate your character. It was really, really fun. I loved 
I, I loved Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction from them. And I, I think a game like Prototype does have a place in today's market. But if Microsoft was able to get like some other uh, beloved IP and utilize, utilize that to get fanfare interested, just anything within that type of sandbox would be really, really cool. Nice. I like that. Uh, I've got one more I wanted to throw out, even though I sort of spoiled it already. But <laughs> I think uh, we're talking about Heretic and Hexen earlier. Hexen specifically, which Phil name dropped. Uh, shout out to Phil for for uh, recognizing game there. Game recognizing game. Hexen was good stuff back <laughs> in the day. Arcane, the makers, of course, of Prey, of Deathloop, of Dishonored. I'd love to see Arcane take a crack at Hexen because Hexen was a first person not really a shooter. It was more, I mean, it kind of was, but it's, it's, uh, you're doing a lot of magic casting and, uh, and there is shooting with these sort of magic-y weapons, but I think that'd be a tremendous fit to see Arcane have a go at, uh, at Hexen specifically. So I think uh, there's just a lot of potential here now. Uh, if Phil decides to kind of just shake everything up and, and let developers, have their pick of the of the catalog and not just be locked into the same things that they've already been doing. Destin, I see you had one more noted here. If you if you want I don't to talk really, about that, I don't really know who could work on it, but I do think one thing that would be interesting for their portfolio would be the gun franchise. Yeah. It's one that was sort of abandoned, and um, I, I think there's potential potential there. I didn't really play the gun games, but I, I've watched enough videos about them to know like what that world's about. And I would love to see somebody sort of take a crack at that. The one company I did sort of think about was somebody like Compulsion Games that can maybe do something really, really yes. unique and just nice. like get away from the the We Happy Few type aesthetic and take a crack at something Western grounded, like Wild West. Uh, I, th I think that could be interesting. I like that one. Yeah, I remember Gun was an Xbox. Well, it, it was a cross-gen game that came out across original Xbox and 360. It was a it was there as a 360 launch title. Mm -hmm. And as I remember it, at back at official Xbox magazine, we gave that an extraordinarily high score. I want to say like nine five is what pops into my head. And usually mm -hmm. I have a weirdly specific memory with that stuff. So yeah, Gun was beloved, great game. And I like your pick of compulsion there too. I think they'd be a it'd be an excellent choice to uh to take a shot with gun, no pun intended. <laughs> This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D VPN.com slash U N L O C K D. 
and that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, so that was a fun segment, but let's keep it going because the story just, we've been talking about it. You know, we, we did an hour plus podcast last week and we haven't stopped talking about it. We stopped, we pressed stop on the record for the podcast last week, but we've still been talking about this for the past week, as has the entire Xbox community, as has the entire games industry. So I thought, all right, what else can we talk about? How about this? Who should Microsoft buy next? And I don't say that flippantly, like, well, they're just going to buy everybody and it doesn't matter and the money is unlimited. But uh, the fact of the matter is Microsoft is employing a very clear strategy here to shore up Game Pass and shore up their studios and make sure that they they basically have a hand in a strong hand in the entire future of gaming beyond just Xbox as a platform. So you know, I thought about, well, who could make sense as as a next strategic acquisition? Not just a, oh, well, wouldn't it be great if they bought so-and-so? And I want to throw out somebody that I think I've mentioned before on the podcast, but I think in light of the Activision acquisition makes a lot of sense. And that's Capcom. Uh, I was looking at Capcom. I actually started to write a piece on this and just ran out of time. I didn't get around to actually finishing it and putting it on the website. So I thought, well, I can I can at least repurpose what I wrote uh, for this for this for this podcast. And if you take a look at them, uh, you know they cover off. So Microsoft doesn't really have horror covered, and the horror genre has grown a lot. Um, I mean, yes, they have Tango GameWorks, but they have. Uh, They've they've moved off of that. They're doing Ghostwire Tokyo now, which, as we know, is going to be a timed PlayStation exclusive. And they're doing uh, and they're they're seemingly done with the Evil Within. So uh, Resident Evil, huge name in in I mean, it's the biggest name in survival horror in the entire industry. You'd get them. You'd get uh, a fighting game. And I know, yes, Killer Instinct fans, I see you. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft doesn't seem to be doing anything with Killer Instinct or any other fighting games, you'd get Street Fighter and a very talented team there, uh, even though Ono-san left last year. You'd get uh, Monster Hunter, which is a just globally successful, cooperative third-person you know, action-adventure, sort of action RPG franchise. You'd get a lot with Capcom. And uh, more than that, you know, we've heard Phil talk about how he cares about Japanese games and Japanese game developers. They don't have, I mean, Tango's the only one, literally one out of all of these Xbox studios, including up into up to and including the Activision purchase, Tango's the only one that they have that's in Japan. So Capcom would would address that as well. And they would have a very strong uh, Japanese game development presence as well. So I think Capcom would be good. You guys can tell me if I'm nuts. Uh, Miranda, I'll go your way. Feel free to comment on mine or, or throw one of yours out. 
Yeah. Yeah. For, so for me, I just wanted to preface this of like, I'd rather not have to choose them buying more studios. Um, but in, in the event, since we are, you know, theory crafting here in a way, um, I would agree that they do need a more of a pre- presence with the Japanese market and having Japanese talent. Um, I think like going with Capcom, I don't know, for me, it's like, I would rather them focus on smaller things like these studios that they've first were acquiring were a lot more um, focused teams that have like goals and have some themes common throughout their games. And I think really um, bolster what Microsoft offers for its first party. And I'd like to see them focus more on that instead, if this were something they were doing. So um, I, I think like there, of course, if you're, if you're looking big, you're like, Oh, Bandai, what about Square Enix? I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, but uh, <laughs> you could have something, what I would say is Vanillaware. So Vanillaware actually doesn't have their games on Xbox. Like 13 Sentinels was their game that came out last year, uh, received super well and not on Xbox. And so they did, Vanillaware has done 13 Sentinels, Odin Sphere and Muramasa Rebirth. So one of the things that I think is most notable about them is their games are very friendly for mobile. And so one thing Phil has said too, and I think, or maybe it wasn't Phil, but I think some of the conversations I remember reading around Microsoft is they don't really have any sort of mobile presence. And I don't, and then of course, like with King now and um, Activision Blizzard acquisition, they'll have more of that. But these aren't mobile games, I think, in the typical sense of just, you know, like mobile games, you get on for like two minutes and you're like, cool, I did my thing for the day. Um, with something like 13 Sentinels, you're getting an experience that you could have on your on your tablet or on your like a nice bigger phone. Like I just got this, this honking big old pixel and I'm like, this is actually great for games because <laughs> it's huge, which is obnoxious. But I'm like, oh, you know, finding the positives in it. And with having um, the cloud services, I think games like this could really thrive in that way. So one of the things that has prevented me from playing like 13 Sentinels is like, I don't, it's a beautiful game, but sometimes I don't want to play these sorts of games on my couch, right? I want to be in my bed or I want to go to the park and go play outside and um, really kind of reminisce in those Vita days. I'm a big handheld gaming advocate and i think these sorts of games could have like a space in that cloud platform where we're game streaming um games that we would have played on a vita or something mobile and now we have our choice of mobile devices that we already have paid for and have in our our, um, system and so i think vanillaware could give xbox some options for that and of course you're bringing in a bunch of like really great games that aren't on xbox already so that's what i would say um, and also, this is not just like aiming, I think, so sim- similar to your Capcom pitch, I think, Ryan, this isn't just looking at JRPGs and saying, we need more JRPGs. Like, these aren't JRPGs in the same sense of, you know, these big open world, your sets, they're, they're adventure games, uh, action adventure games with RPG elements and stuff as well. And I think kind of getting that more unique element is going beyond just like saying, we need JRPGs. And I think that's important. I like that. Very laser targeted. Good yes. argument there. It's uh You've you've laid out a, an excellent case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Stella, let me go your way next. Sure. Um, I mean, I I feel I feel bad for constantly bringing this up, but uh, Respawn. I mean, I know that they're owned by EA, but of course, um, we know that their team has been expanding, especially with the recent news of them continuing Star Wars games, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Uh, but Titanfall 1 was an Xbox exclusive and PCs, so it kind of would make sense for them to, if, if they did, it would kind of make sense for them to buy out Respawn. I mean, Respawn's been doing a very good job of, of 
games in this modern era and i would love to see a titanfall 3 which it seems like the main team is a little bit too busy for right now so if microsoft bought that team that'd be cool and maybe they could actually do a launch right i like i don't know if anyone else remembers but titanfall 1 was poorly handled um it was it didn't launch very well uh it, it could have done a little bit of a better job and the titanfall 2 which was fantastic like such a great game didn't get the spotlight it deserved because it was also buried with a bunch of other ea launches and so if microsoft could redo that with titanfall 3 and make sure it gets all the support and attention it needs i think that would be a great uh comeback for um titanfall 3 so that is definitely where i was thinking um of that but also, I think Annapurna would be an interesting get for uh, Microsoft because as far as I know, they do a lot of PlayStation games. So it might be kind of cool to see some of those games on uh, Xbox. Kind of, they've kind of mixed it up. They've done multi-platform. Yeah. They've done some Sony exclusive. 12 Minutes was a timed Xbox exclusive that they published. So they've... Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I think- like that. With Annapurna, they're more of a publisher, though, so they're not really going out and developing their own games as much. So. That's true. But they do yeah. have a, to Stella's point, they they have a talent for picking good stuff. Yes, that so is very is true. A lot of value there. Now, Stella, what do you think? How many zeros <laughs> would need to be on the check if Microsoft went to EA and said, "We'd like to just buy Respawn from you"? Like that's arguably one of the most valuable. Studios it that is. EA owns, like with the possible exception, maybe not even of Dice, because Dice makes the engine that that powers most right. of the EA games. <laughs> Do you think would would EA even <sighs> listen to that phone call? I think they would. I think it would make them real. I, honestly, okay, I'm <laughs> I'm going to dive into no some way. criticism Apex here. I'm so ca- sorry. Sorry, Apex I is their cash so. cow. No way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, they probably wouldn't, but it would make them pay attention to the fact that like, hey, maybe we should do a better job of supporting this game that we said is our flagship FPS. And yet there are still so many underfunded departments. There are still so many issues. And I'm just like, you know what? Maybe this would kick their butts into gear into taking this game seriously. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like EA has done such a poor job of recognizing response potential and being able to support that. So for me, I'd be like, you know what? If if it's a kick in the butt, sure, do it. I don't care. Just freaking give it the support and attention it deserves because I feel like a lot of things just have fallen under the radar. And EA is like, yeah, it's our flagship uh, FPS game. And I'm like, well, then act like it. So anyways, that's my two cents on that <laughs> i like it i mean why not why not dream big like respawn would be uh yeah I, I feel like you might have to buy all of ea to get to respawn but it, i also yeah. wouldn't put that out of the out of the realm of possibility either <laughs> and that leaves destin destin do you think you know kind of thinking trying to think strategically and not just like fan wish fulfillment what what do you think uh could be a good target for microsoft should they decide to to keep acquiring things well, I, I was a little curious about Miranda's answer, and uh, I was wondering, Miranda, why don't you pick like Sega for a franchise like Persona? Because I'm getting Persona vibes from Thirteen Sentinels. Uh, because there are certain things I still want multi-platform. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there's also just I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's again. I want to go in specific and specific developers, and not just the bigger, wider publisher we have. Um, these studios under us like i want to look at specific teams rather than the full like bigger parent companies as well that's okay. what i was thinking 
Got it. Well, my answer is exactly the opposite of what you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I think they should buy take two. I think GTA and Red Dead is going to be your right. best bang for your buck. There's a lot of other cool franchises within that realm uh, that they would acquire. And I, I think that would be like a huge gap for them. And now that I know they have $70 billion that they can throw at certain companies, it seems a little bit more feasible that this could be a possibility. And on the on the general topic of the video game industry consolidating, I do think we're going to see conti- continued consolidation. I would imagine something like Capcom would end up going to, to Sony, though, Ryan, because uh, they've sort of had a symbiotic relationship with them helping with Street Fighter V and Street Fighter V well, being platform what exclusive. What about Dead Rising? That's well, yeah, but that's an Xbox exclusive. But that's done, right? Like that Bionic hasn't been Commando around for so long. Back in the Xbox Live Arcade days. Back in the 360 days, I would have agreed with you. But today, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Sony owns the rights to the Capcom Cup. They own, they helped with the, the Street Fighter franchise. I, I just would imagine that. I And I, I do think like there's a larger conversation about industry col- consolidation that Miranda sort of alluded to how she doesn't necessarily love it. But I, I do think we're going to see that because as Facebook, Apple, Google, et cetera, start to encroach on this space. I do think Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, they're going to take a long, hard look at each other and be like, we need to start playing nicer. And because there's a bigger, I I don't want to use the term threat, but there's a bigger, uh, uh, I'll say threat, whatever, Yeah. to our livelihoods as opposed to each other, right? Well, yeah, and and you're you're alluding to. I mean, Phil Spencer said something to that effect, and said uh, when when commenting on. I think I think this happened after this was some of the follow up coverage that we you know because we recorded the day that 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 happened that this happened last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil said that he said, well, you know, we look at at Apple and Meta, whatever the hell they're calling themselves this <laughs> week, uh, and, and you know these bigger tech companies as we don't think they're necessarily going to be great stewards of mm-hmm. the industry. And he did specifically say, Destin, that, that, to your point, that you know, Sony, we know them. Nintendo, we know them. We trust them to, to move the industry, the game industry forward in a good way. So I think you're, you're definitely on, on to something there. And, and like just the fact that I feel like nobody talks about Tencent ever. And Tencent has a huge <laughs> yeah, stake huge. in the industry. They're like massive. It really does. About, was, yeah. that, was that like a three or four weeks ago? Yeah, we did yeah, a segment it, on that. It yeah. just doesn't get any attention. But then Microsoft does something and it's Microsoft versus Sony. Like that's always the conversation. I'm like, right. you got to be looking at Tencent. You got to be looking at Facebook and Apple. Like we're so laser focused on an old ideology and the industry is going to change over the next five to 10 years majorly. Yeah. Right. So I, I just think. There's a little bit of narrow mindedness happening and um, everybody just needs to sort of like expand their their scope of what they're thinking about in terms of the industry and where we're going. I, You're asking a lot out of gamers. <laughs> well, I mean, we have analysts. Great Stella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> we just need to be reminded sometimes. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Uh, Destin, yeah. I do think you make a good point, though, in that uh, like it or not, I, I agree that the consolidation is probably going to continue for the very reasons you talked about. I mean, there are just, there's so much money in, in this industry now. And, and these, you know, these corporations, the big, the big companies have only gotten bigger and the gaming industry has, I mean, what, what the pandemic has shown, the pandemic's shown a lot of things about, about uh, business and entertainment. And it has shown something that we in the gaming industry have known 
for many, many years. And that is uh, the gaming industry is kind of recession proof. It's not to say that bad things don't happen when the economy takes a downturn, but uh, we saw it during the pandemic of gaming grew. Like IGN's traffic for our little corner of it went way up because everybody's the thing you can do at home. You, you know, you, you're not going to the movie theater. Uh, there's a lot of things you can't do, but you can play video games at home. You know, Animal Crossing, Miranda was probably one of the, the most famous examples of uh, serendipitously releasing at, again, in a very dark way, the perfect time. Like that game took off in part. It was already going to do well, but in part because of the pandemic and the nature of what that game was. And yeah, it's the the these tech giants, these deep pocketed tech giants are, are all waking up, uh, you know, whether it's Amazon, Apple, Google, or to Destin's point, Tencent, uh, to the, they're all waking up to the fact that, oh, whoa, this gaming thing, there's a ton of money here. We need to get in on this. So yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the last of, of the major acquisitions, be, it they, be they at the developer level or the publisher level from Microsoft or from Sony for that matter. I'm sure Sony will continue to, to uh, strategically add to their portfolio as well. Uh, and Destin, yeah, but and GTA and Red Dead, the big ones with Take-Two that you mentioned, don't forget uh, they have a, a major annual cash cow, which yes, does require a licensing agreement, but uh, NBA 2K sells like 10 million copies every year. Like it's yep. huge. So yeah. And, and the, the fact that they've been talking and, you know, Phil and uh, who was Strauss. it? Strauss talked on that call last year. I'm just like, maybe there were conversations about that company being acquired now that we know that Activision was acquired. So there is a future where, where that could happen. Yeah, and you never know. How, how Xbox ends up playing this whole acquisition thing about exclusivity, like what's going to happen with Game Pass and multiplayer. There's so many things we could talk about, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, well, the, the, remember, Destin, so we just had the, the Zynga acquisition by Take-Two for... Mm -hmm. It, it was the biggest gaming acquisition of all time for about five minutes until Microsoft <laughs> dropped the acquisition deal. It was like $12 billion. So you got to factor that in. You, you, the, the price tag for Take-Two would probably be pretty high. Um, maybe not Activision Blizzard high, but it would certainly not come cheap. But I guess when you're Microsoft and you're a trillion dollar plus company, you... Uh, you can pull these things off. Sometimes yeah. companies will do an acquisition like that so they can expand their uh, value proposition to a company looking to acquire them. So that might have been a strategic play, and maybe they're in a bidding war with Sony and Sony and Microsoft. Like I yeah, said, I do think know. I do think consolidation is going to continue. Wow. I just yeah. looked. So I feel the last time I feel like I checked Microsoft's market cap, which I know is not the be all end all. I feel like the last time we talked about it on the show and I looked it up, it was like one point two trillion dollars. Microsoft's market cap, and by the way, the markets are like way down this week. Microsoft's market cap is $2.21 trillion. So the 70 billion for Activision is, I hate, in, a, in a very strange way, kind of a drop in the bucket, which is really huh. strange to phrase My it God. that way. <laughs> but there you go. Just for a little context about the size and strength of, uh, of Microsoft in the marketplace. All right. Uh, speaking of Call of Duty, let's uh, circle back to that. And we're going to come back to Respawn, which will make Stella happy. We'll come back to that as well. <laughs> so next up, some Call of Duty developers, this is more uh, more sort of 
fallout from the acquisition. Some Call of Duty developers are reportedly eager to move away from the annualized release schedule that has obviously defined the series for most of its existence. In a new article that provides an overview of Activision Blizzard's internal reactions to the acquisition, Bloomberg reports that, quote, high-level employees have discussed ditching Call of Duty's current release schedule. Currently, Activision continues to put a new Call of Duty every year out uh, from a rotating series of studios, a strategy that has proven an awkward fit since the release of Warzone, which we did talk about on last week's show. These developers are (laughs) said to feel that slowing the franchise's release cadence would please players who have grown weary of Call of Duty's steady drumbeat of releases. Bloomberg's article cites Call of Duty Vanguard's 36% sales decline in the UK, though it still managed to top 2021 sales charts. According to Bloomberg, the shift may not happen until next year or later with this year's release, quote, expected to redeem the franchise's fortunes. So uh, this year's game, by the way, is, I don't know anything, but it's, I would bet lunch, it's Modern Warfare 2 because it's Infinity Ward's turn in the three studio Mm -hmm. cycle. And there's just no way that they're going to do something else after that that Modern Warfare reboot did so well. But on that note, uh, what do you all think of this? Like, what do you think the realistic chances are of Call of Duty coming off of that annual release schedule? Because they'd be leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, Miranda, let me go your way first here. Yeah, I, I think the key thing here, right, is to keep in mind that they'll have Warzone. And also keep in mind that all of this is going to go on Game Pass. How much of this is not going to be purchased as a day one because of Game Pass, right? So when you factor that in, I'm not sure where all the math and the money goes and the flows and where they're going to release things. Like, there's still so many questions, right? Like, are they going to keep Call of Duty multi-platform? What are the other options they have here? But with all that in mind, if they instead decide to keep continued support for Warzone, they really champion that. They can let the rest of the studios, I think, have more time to develop these games. And I think that's what we look for, right? I think... It's not necessarily just the, to quote, steady drum beat of releases that's tiring. It's more so the quality that comes with these, right? Like, I think we saw with Vanguard, it felt like that one was just, they just had to pull it together really quick. And, like, even citing some of my friends who got hired there, who like, which is also a reason, like, I didn't do anything critical with Vanguard, is, like, I know people who work there, and they got hired to do story stuff kind of late in the game and, like, the development cycle, I would say, so... It's just a little uh, concerning to see something like that. Um, And I think, you know, honestly, giving folks more time to develop their game, to really innovate, to sit with something and to make it the best they can be and give each of these studios more time to have that identity of what their Call of Duty series looks like, but to only be better for everyone, right? I, I think that's something I missed before where it it did feel like every studio had more of an identity and now it's just kind of getting a little bit mucked together. And I I think I understand for a lot of that, of just like the cadence of releases and like time for having that creativity, you know, like developing new tools, developing new ideas within the space. It it takes a lot of time. And if you're not given that time, you're going to get what we've had with Call of Duty. And so if they have that time, you know, it'll hopefully all just go better. And, you know, I'm sure this... (laughs) 
the employees of the studios would appreciate it. Um, obviously, crunch culture is like a big thing we've talked about several times. And I'm sure uh, crunching out these games is not good for anyone. So um, <laughs> we'd like to have that more time so that they can just, you know, release something that they're proud of and have a good time for. Not to say that they're not proud of what they put out before already, but just that um, I think yeah. there's just a bit of better work culture with um, changing up the release schedule. Stella, your take on this, on the the potential of Call of Duty abandoning the annual cadence. Please. I have been saying this since forever. I have been saying they need to step away from this. Even with the rotation of studios they have to develop these games, that is not enough time. Also, let that, like, the Modern Warfare, the remake, and then um, Black Ops, Cold War, let those titles sit for longer than a year. Like, you spent so much time on these games, and they're good? Let them sit. Let them, like what is it, marinate in the community. Like, it can last longer than a year um, just because something has always, just because titles have always released, you know, year after year doesn't mean you should, doesn't mean that's going to be the case forever. Um, I, I genuinely felt, I, I loved the Modern Warfare reboot. I thought it was great. Multiplayer felt fantastic. I loved it. Um, and then Cold War came out and I was like, well, I have to switch over there because no one's really going to be playing Modern Warfare anymore. So it's it's this conflict, too, for players. It's like, well, I like this game, but now I know it's not really going to get supported as much as the new title that just came out. So now I'm going to have to switch over. And while that's nice to keep this franchise alive, like I do like that they come out with new titles. That's great. I love that they're still cranking it out. But like Miranda said, the quality has been degrading and that's not really good to see. Like Call of Duty used to be the, the pinnacle of FPS games. And now I'm just like, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would be so happy if they if they took off that uh, yearly release schedule, which I've been saying for the longest time, especially now with um, Warzone. And the fact that there are so many things that you can buy in the game, just so many cosmetics, so many things that lead to Warzone anyways. It's like, well, I mean, you're not going to be hurting on money. They'll be fine. Like, Call of Duty devs will be fine. Um, just take your time. Don't force things. Let things have a natural life cycle. Let the game have a natural life cycle and then release the next one and we'll be fine. We'll be okay. It's not a lack of content. It's that the content sucks right now. <laughs> so let us... Let us enjoy this, and then we'll move on to the next one that will feel polished and ready. Well said. Destin, your take? So this is, a, this is a pretty loaded question. On the one hand, there's the developers to consider, and then they, they could use a break. But thinking from Microsoft's perspective, um, I have to wonder if they are just going to continue on the annual release cycle with the games. However... The Vanguard sales decline, I think that's a byproduct of the fact that Warzone is just constantly available and constantly updating, not necessarily because it's a bad game. I'm looking at this footage and I'm like, not only does the game look stunning and, and you know, uh, just interesting gameplay wise, um, but I don't think that they need to, like, stop making the campaign experiences. I think the problem is the fact that Warzone is just constantly available for free, yeah. and you're starting to see that whittle away at the sales of the the annualized Call of Duty franchises. So maybe they ditch this Vanguard-type release that has a campaign and multiplayer. They just don't do anything with multiplayer for one of the releases. They just do a really, really great campaign one year. Ooh, to sort of, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that <laughs> would give the developer's chance to focus on one thing instead of three things at once, you know, so Warzone continues, 
you have a campaign experience that could utilize the same engine, probably like the engine's probably not going to get updated too much. And then uh, you just have Warzone and and the core campaign don't, as don't your release for the year. Zombies. I'm saying don't do oh don't God. do zombies for one year. Oh, right? don't even. Okay, like yeah, just, no, just you don't do, want to get me started. To give on that. the developers a break and to still make your your revenue. I imagine they just do like a campaign <laughs> experience or something lighter on the developers to give them that breathing room that everybody wants them to have, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean that's sort of my two cents on it. I, I don't think they go away from annualized, but I do think they figure out a way to lighten the load of the devs. Good points by everybody. You know, the, and the one thing I thought about <laughs> that I just want to chip in on this is, you know, as we talked about last week uh, regarding the ac- acquisition, it, Xbox now has so many major shooter franchises under its belt that it might not even make sense from a portfolio perspective to release Call of Duty every year when you also have Halo, Doom, Overwatch, Quake, and Wolfenstein, and possibly something that I'm forgetting about <laughs> in there as well. Uh, so, you know, you micro, that's, that's a lot. You know, you might, you might not want Call of Duty just permanently in, set in concrete there for November every single year. You might want to get one of those other ones into, into one of the pri- uh, prime fall slots uh, in one year or another and not having to compete with each other. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff on, on that. The last topic I want to get to before we do our trivia and get out of here is, uh, I alluded to it earlier, Respawn, one of our favorite developers in the industry, and for good reason, they've never made a bad game. Uh, They are working on three new Star Wars games that are developing two in-house, and they're partnering up with another studio on the third. So uh, game number one, as you've probably already guessed, because it's not really even a secret, they've more or less announced this before, it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2 uh, that will once again be directed by Stig Osmussen, who did the first game. And then you have the first-person shooter. Yes, a Star Wars first-person shooter will be led by Peter Hirschman, mm-hmm. who uh, did the most recent Medal of Honor, which was done for Oculus, which had these amazing, uh, real, actual, like, World War II veteran documentaries uh, where they went and went out and spoke with... Uh, with surviving members of veterans of the, of world war two. And then the third game is being developed by bit reactor. So again, it's a, a partnership with respawn, but bit reactor will be developing this. They are a recently formed studio comprised of former Firaxis veterans Firaxis, of course, best known for XCOM. Also, by the way, Sid Meier civilization, a little, a little franchise called civilization. <laughs> Uh, so Bit Reactor will work closely with Respawn uh, and Vince Zampella, who, of course, oversees the whole studio group on this three-game initiative, which EA characterizes as, quote, a new phase of EA's relationship with Lucasfilm, which is to say that just because EA will no longer have the exclusive license to make Star Wars video games doesn't mean they're going to stop making Star Wars video games. It just means other developers and publishers We'll be making them too. So, uh, Stella, let me go your way first here. Your thoughts on Jedi Fallen Order two? Whether you're uh, you're a strategy gamer that that's uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that strategy game, and and more specifically, I think we're going to want to talk about that first person shooter. Uh, I honestly, I okay. Now I'm going to pull a Destin Legary and uh, flex my gaming skills a little bit. Um, I played this on the hardest difficulty. Um, 
Jedi Fallen Order, and I felt really good about that. So, and I love the story. I felt it was very rewarding. Um, so, I would absolutely love a second one of these, which I assume, and I, I bet you money is coming. And that is what I am looking forward to the oh, most. It is. Because now, this it was, is official. This is not a rumor. This yes. is what is happening. It's just so good. Like, it, it I was genuinely surprised. Um, it, it had a little bit of issues, but like overall, it was a very solid game. Really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of played it like a Dark Souls game, um, but set in the uh, in in the Star Wars universe, which is kind of amazing, and I, I love it. I don't know. I'm excited for it. That's what I'm looking for. I want it. Give it to me now, please. Thank you. <laughs> what about the shooter? The first-person shooter? What do you want to see that uh, be? Because there's a lot of, you know, we've had Battlefront, yeah. but uh, a new Star Wars first-person shooter, what do you, what do you want to see there? <sighs> That, that's going to be weird for me. I, I'd have to think about that a little bit just because we've gotten this, which isn't first person and it's not a shooter because you're playing a Jedi, which is amazing. So maybe like if it was a story being told through the eyes of a stormtrooper, that'd be kind of cool. Or maybe a rebel soldier. Um, I don't know. I think that'd be kind of a nice perspective. I, I think that might be a good change of pace. But yeah, I don't know. I would have to see a demonstration of that just because I can't really picture that fully in my mind right now. Miranda? Your thoughts on this? Mine went straight to the first person shooter because guys, I am tired of being a Jedi, <laughs> which is really <laughs> weird to say. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like whenever we go to Star Wars stories, a lot of times we go to the Jedi. Like it's it's cool to get a lightsaber and have force powers, but there's so much more in Star Wars lore to explore. And I was I'm always so sad when I think about the bounty hunter game that we we're supposed to get and they got canceled. And like they've they've had a lot of canceled Star Wars projects that I think would try to um, flex beyond the dark and the light side of Star Wars. And I think that's what I'm really craving. I want bounty hunters. I want smugglers. I don't want just the Empire and the rebels. Just, just let them do their thing. Like, <sighs> give us into, like, the seedy parts of the galaxy. Like, let us go do something weird. I don't know. Um, one thing I would really love is actually a first-person shooter star starring a droid that you make. So I think that's a way you could do your own sort of... Um, kind of like build your character is like you get to sort of build these stats for that shooter and kind of choose like your augmentations and other things you do on this adventure there's a lot there that i think you can play with and i want to see them flex that creatively just because again we've had many 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 jedi stories <laughs> i like cool. that that, that is on. cool i like i like yeah. your hook there that could be really fun uh, that brings me to Destin Legary. Your thoughts on Jedi Fallen Order 2, a first-person shooter, and should you care to comment, a strategy game from some X for Axis folks. I loved Jedi Fallen Order. I also played it on the hardest difficulty. Still, that final boss was no joke. But actually, oh my God, the, no. the guy yeah. who dual wields, who was a, like a outcast or whatever. Oh, yes. I, the I second think, to last boss? Yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah, he was actually harder. the hardest. That was the hardest yeah. fight in the game, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did this uh, for IGN, and uh, mm -hmm. I was at my desk playing through on the hardest difficulty. It is no joke. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I, I adored this game. Uh, I can't wait for the sequel. It's, it's Cal Kestis, right? That's the main yes. character's name. Yes. I can't wait to figure out like what's going to happen with him after you know the culmination of his journey in the first game and and his compatriots and the people that he um, or comrades or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> his buddies. Uh, what's going to happen with them? Where are they? How are they going to evolve as characters? Where is it going to go? As for the FPS, I remember back in the day like forever ago playing 
whatever it was on the Nintendo 64. That was an FP. It was like a third person, actually. I think you were like a, a bounty hunter or something, and you were able to like swim underwater and you fought something underwater. I, it was forever ago, right? But it was a very popular game. And uh, it proves that you don't have to be a Jedi, right? You don't have to be a Jedi in first person to make it work. I do not want another Battlefront, though. I, I like Battlefront yeah. is is fine. Just whatever there. Uh, I'm pretty fatigued by that. But for a strategy game, so it would be like XCOM, right? Like yeah. I, I have to like a top down yep, video game. Based, probably. Yeah. Well, that might be a really good avenue for stormtroopers, you know, like commanding your units. Think about uh, Star Wars Episode Two and how it was sort of like a war torn countryside side. And there's all these different factions trying to leverage their control before the order was executed. I think there's a lot of really, really interesting places that they could take a game like that and still make it um, interesting in that type of uh, perspective. So excited about the future of Star Wars. And don't forget, beyond what these teams are working on, we also have the Star Wars franchise being worked on by the Division team, the team that made Division sure. and Division 2. Yep. So we're going to get a lot of Star Wars over the next few years. <laughs> don't wor- Don't you worry. Yeah, I, I share all of your uh, appreciation for, for Jedi Fallen Order. It was... It was this close. It was it was my runner up for game of the year in 2019. I did vote for Control, which did win for IGN. Uh, but yeah, Jedi Fallen Order, phenomenal game. I really enjoyed it as well. I will say for the sequel, I would like it to focus on Siri instead. Uh, I thought she was a way more interesting character than than Cal was, but uh, I'll just be happy to have more Jedi Fallen Order regardless. And for the first person shooter, uh, I'm old, so I go right back to Dark Forces, that if this is somehow a Dark Forces reboot, I would be completely on board with that now. Uh, that's well, That was Kyle Katarn, who uh, I guess isn't canon anymore. But um, if that part were to be sorted out or they use someone that's not Kyle Katarn, I mean, Kyle eventually became a Jedi in Jedi Knight and Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. But Dark Forces was just a pure first-person shooter before he became a Jedi, and it was an excellent game back in the OG Doom era, the 90s. Yes, I'm old. But uh, yeah, Dark Forces is a, is a great ex- example of how good a Star Wars first-person shooter can be without lightsabers being involved. So uh, it's Respawn. I'm very optimistic, and I will look forward to hearing a lot more about this. All right, before we go, let's quickly hear we're about out of time, do our Unlock Block Trivia Challenge, now that all four of us are finally reassembled on the same podcast at the same time. Jamie from Tennessee says, here's a deep cut. In 2007, and I know Miranda's already like probably rolling her eyes, but there was an Xbox <laughs> Live outage during the holiday season. It was, uh, it was not great. You had a lot of trouble getting on to connecting to Xbox Live uh, after everybody got Xbox 360s over the holidays. To make good on that outage, then Xbox president Mark Witten promised a free game or 800 Microsoft points if you owned the game already. What was that game? The free make good game, the we're sorry that Xbox Live was down for a lot of the holidays. (laughs) Was it Undertow, Luminous Live, Puzzle Quest, or Pac-Man Championship Edition? Uh, I'll go... uh, Destin's way first on this. 
I, I don't know the answer, but I just I feel like it's luminous for some reason. OK, Destin going with luminous, an excellent yeah, game, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, all four of these are, are really good games. Stella, any thought here? I want to go with D, Pac-Man. All right. Miranda? I don't know. <laughs> A, Undertale. <laughs> do you know, Miranda? Oh, my God. No. No? Yes, I'm you so do. Scared. You do know because that's the correct answer. Ah, good <gasps> job. I actually maybe <laughs> knew this done. one. Because <laughs> I remember this. I remember it being out, and I was really disappointed because it was, I think... Aww. Uh, I think it was one of my first years having Xbox Live. Yeah, because I was 14 and I got it when oh, I was like 13. Oh, okay. So that's why yeah. I remember. It's very well, specific. nice I job, Jamie, on that question. Nice job, Miranda. Now everybody's on the board. Everybody's got one Dang point. It. So <laughs> this is good. Uh, thank you to Jamie from Tennessee for sending in that excellent <laughs> Xbox trivia question. And I invite everybody else to send in your good Xbox trivia questions. You can email them to unlocked at IGN.com, include the question, four multiple choice answers, note the correct one, and include your name, and if you if you want, your gamer tag as well. And I can share that on the air if I choose your question. So with that, we've come to the end of Unlocked 528. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Miranda, how about you? Where you can, can find you? me, yes, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, pretty much everywhere else on at Havoc Gross on Havoc with a K. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, Parallax Stella everywhere. Um, and I want to shout out that tomorrow um, at 5 p.m. PST, I think I am casting an Apex Legends tournament on ESA, which is Esports Arena. So please watch their Twitch. So yeah. Nice. That'll be fun. Destin. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Destin Legary, and uh, I launched the cookie business. So, <laughs> I, you know, uh, it's a family business, so it's my wife and I, and we're just selling some cookies. If you are interested, you can uh, check it out over at LegaryBakery.com. I've got my order in. I'm looking forward to <laughs> sampling the, the wares. It'll be good stuff. For uh, Miranda, Destin, Stella, and super producer Kate, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 528. We'll see you all back here next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.